You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Hello, everybody. It's Andy Squires and Robin McMillan. Hey, Robin. Robin's here. Andy's here. What more could we possibly want? <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to Queen City Church's uh, pandemic pod- podcast. Um, well, Robin, I am pretty excited for today's discussion, actually, yeah. because one, it's Easter. Yep. And two, I've been thinking a lot about the claims that the Bible makes regarding the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ and the eventual resurrection of our bodies. Right, right. So, you know, you and I have been talking about this for some time now, but um, for anybody that's been paying attention over the last decade or so uh, to the subculture of the evangelical church, it seems like there's been what I would describe as a, a shift away from some of the most orthodox tenets of the Christian faith. And, um, you know, I just, I want to make sure just to give folks context, uh, maybe that's not quite obvious to some people, but you and I, we've got our ear to the ground yeah. within the church. And we've had a lot of discussions about the deconstruction culture that, um, has appeared in the last few years. And mm-hmm. for my take on that, there's been some really good things that have happened, uh, out of folks kind of questioning a lot of church culture and some of our belief systems. And, yeah. and I kind of, I even view myself kind of a, somebody who's willing to question things. I know you're that way too. You're an inquisitive guy. You want to know yeah. how things work, yeah. why they work. But I've noticed this trend within our church subculture kind of away from just really believing in some of the basic things that yeah, the Bible the, claims. Some of the fundamentals that yeah. are essential. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would be good if we kind of talked about a couple of the big things that to me really determine whether you're actually a Christian or not, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, right. so you and I, we're not necessarily apologists or, or we, we don't desire a debate of any kind. We would not want to be in a debate with anybody on this subject. We're just talking about things that you and I have kind of yeah. concluded in our own lives, right? Yeah. And I That's thought right. it would be good for us to plainly state, if we could, the unique claim that the Bible makes about resurrection and, and it's extremely important and distinct hold that this reality should have in the life of, of believers in the life of Christians. So first question I want to ask you is, can you show us some scriptures that clearly portray the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ? Well, every, every gospel has, um, a version of it. And when I say version, there are differences, just like there would be difference is in, um, how people see certain things and sure. understand them certain ways. Yeah. But, um, and they're great stories. I mean, Luke 24 on the road to Emmaus, we may talk about that in a minute. Yep. For some of the other things you and I have been talking about, but one I think about, um, and I have reread here, uh, and it, it's um, John 
20, mm. 1 through 18. And um, it tells a story of Mary Magdalene and Peter and John going to the empty tomb. And the first person in this version here that made her way to to the tomb was Mary Magdalene. Mm. She was the one, I don't know, it's, it's arguable if she was of questionable morals or if she was simply demon-possessed, which we know that part, but... Um, she ran down to the uh, to the tomb, and the and the stone was rolled away. Mm. And so she goes back to tell some people. And so Peter and John come running down there. John outruns Peter, but yeah. Peter goes in first. And yeah. both of those sort of tell you something about about their character. Mm. And um, it doesn't tell you what Peter concluded because Andy, none, one to virtually none of the apostles, not the just disciples, apostles yeah. believed in the resurrection mm. until after it was all over. Wow. And even then, some of them had to be convinced in an in extraordinary way. Right. And so when people struggle with the resurrection, you're in good company. Yeah. But it's still an essential part of the gospel. Matter of fact, my personal opinion, and I think the apostle Paul's personal opinion was you pull the bodily resurrection of Jesus out of the gospel, you got gospel no more. Yeah. You got Christianity no more. That's right. You have something different. Something other, else. Something else. Yeah. So um, John looks in and he sees the uh, the burial cloths folded. And it says, um, after one look, he believed. Mm. John's an early adopter. Yeah. Or an, Early, yeah. early adapter, early yeah. adopter. Yeah, that either yeah. one works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it says Peter was puzzled. Mm. Uh, so Mary comes back to the tomb and she's brokenhearted. You see, loving Jesus has touches him in ways that, if you can hear this, even just believing in him doesn't. Wow. Although both of them touch him. Yeah. So Mary's heartbroken. She wants to to minister to the Lord's body, meaning put spices in. Yeah. That does not indicate she's a believer in the resurrection either. Mm. When um, Jesus appears to her, she doesn't even recognize him. That's another characteristic of what happened to many people after the resurrection was for some reason, Jesus looked different in a way that they couldn't immediately discern until they heard him. Mm. Um, she thinks he's the gardener, yeah. which is a great picture. What we lost in Adam, we lost in the garden. Uh, so we had to have a redemptive gardener to come get us back what we lost. She right. thought he was the gardener. He was, he was the master gardener. Right. He, he recouped what we lost mm. through, uh, through his death, burial, and resurrection. And Jesus says to her one phrase, and she instantly realizes Jesus is alive. Mm. So that's a that's a really good one in John in John twenty. Mm. One of the things I thought about was the there's not ultimate scientific proof necessarily about the resurrection, mm -hmm. but there's empirical proof. Mm -hmm. And empirical proof is gained through both observation and experience. And the thing that strikes me about the resurrection was 
so many um, dysfunctional people who were not necessarily the bravest in the world bet their lives that this Jesus was raised from the dead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think that if you're a serious reader of the of the Bible, there are things that you have to acknowledge uh, when you're reading the Bible. For instance, there are some things that aren't literal. For instance, I'm thinking in the New Testament when Jesus says he's talking about um, he's well he's talking about sin and he says if your if your right hand causes you to yes. sin he says cut it off right. or if, if your eye causes you to stumble poke mm-hmm. it out right so in good conscience we don't read that and say okay here's what I'm going to do I'm going to literally cut off my hand we know that he was using pictures right. to say point his people in a certain direction yeah. Okay. Um, there, there are other examples from the Old Testament to New Testament where there are some kind of uh, symbolic things going on in the scriptures. But I, I've concluded um, that there's, there are things that are symbolic and metaphorical in the scriptures, but there are also things that are actually literal that oh, yeah. actually happened. Exactly. And, and so, when you talk about the resurrection or when you think about the resurrection or when you're preaching the gospel of the resurrection of Jesus, you're not thinking of it metaphorically. You're thinking of it as a literal historic thing that was necessary for the salvation of the cosmos. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Over and over. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So we've established that. Uh, I'd like to read this this passage by one of our favorite authors, writers, thinkers, uh, a British fellow by the name of N.T. Wright. For those of you who don't know who N.T. Wright is, he's um, he's just a really well known biblical scholar. Um, you know, of of course, I mean, you can be the smartest person in the world, and there's still people that are going to disagree with your your uh your conclusions but i think nt wright is for the most part a trustworthy source he he's a historian he's a biblical scholar this is what he had to say about the resurrection he says and i quote therefore as a historian i am forced to say that two things must have happened one they meaning the apostles, they certainly had sightings of Jesus, but two, they really knew that the tomb was empty. Either of those without the other, as they would have easily, easy explanations, empty tomb, someone has stolen the body, mm-hmm. visions, it's just one of those visions, they happen and it doesn't mean he's not dead, right, continues. But the fact is, they said, he isn't dead anymore. Resurrection is not a way of re-describing death in a more hopeful or I would add metaphorical fashion. It is a way, resurrection is a way of overthrowing death. And that is at the center of the New Testament. So we see right kind of reaffirming yeah. The essential claims of the New Testament. Yeah. So, Robin, let me ask you this question. 
why is it important to believe that the resurrection is actual and not metaphorical? Well, the interesting thing is, and you and I have talked about some of this, Paul writes um, uh, his argument in the in the book of First Corinthians in chapter 15, and although he didn't write it in chapters, his argument lasts 58 verses. Yeah. And um, if we had two hours, I would read all 58 because yeah. almost everything in there, I think, is essential to answering this question about uh, the literal resurrection. But Paul makes it very clear that his gospel yeah. is based on the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus. Let me read some of this. Come on. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Dear friends, let me give you clearly the heart of the gospel I have preached to you, mm. the good news that you have heartily received and on which you stand. For it is through the revelation of the gospel that you're being saved if you fashion your faith, firm, your life firmly to the message I've taught you unless you have believed in vain. Mm. So, according to Paul, you can believe in vain. You cannot go the distance in your faith. Wow. So then he basically shares in, in um, capsule form his gospel yeah. in the next few verses. And this yeah. is what he says there in verse 3. For I have shared with you what I received and what is of utmost importance. Now, Paul made the claim this is not what he received primarily from other apostles. Yeah. He says he received this directly from the Lord himself. So this was important enough for the Lord to give to Paul. And for it to be corroborated yeah. by the apostles who actually lived and walked with Jesus. Mm. Of course, Paul didn't. Yeah. But we'll see later, Jesus himself appeared to Paul mm. and saved him there the Damascus Road encounter. So That's here's right. What, here's Paul's encapsulated gospel. The Messiah died for our sins, fulfilling the prophecies of the scripture. He was buried in a tomb and was raised from the dead after three days as foretold by the scriptures. So Paul embodies his, his beliefs in the, the prophecies from the Old Testament, yeah. Isaiah 53, uh, Psalm two, I think Hosea, uh, uh, seven, I can't remember all of them, but he, he knew the Old Testament and he yeah. could see clearly it was prophesied. Then he yeah. goes on. Um, he was buried in a tomb and was raised from the dead after three days. And he says this again, as foretold in the scriptures. Then he says this, and this is also an important aspect of what Paul understood. Then he appeared to Peter. He appeared to the 12 apostles. He appeared to more than 500 of his followers at the same time, most of whom are still alive as I write this, though a few have passed away. Mm -hmm. So Paul makes it very clear that the gospel is built on the resurrection, the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus. Um, now, what are the implications? You and I have, have discussed some of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Paul says, um, he, he, he really goes after this idea. He says, so 
The message we preach is Christ who's been raised from the dead. So how could any of you possibly say there is no resurrection of the dead? Yeah. And so he goes into this lengthy theological, but it's not theological, it's actual. Yeah. Um, argument of why it is so important. At one point, he says, if Christ is not alive, you're still lost in your sins. Can, can I stop you there for exactly. just a Sure. So, so what I think I hear you saying is that there were folks that Paul was talking to that were actually denying the resurrection at this point. It sounds like it. I mean, it sounds like he's having to do some work here to tell these folks, you know, it's important that you understand that this resurrection actually happened because without this one thing, everything else doesn't matter anymore. There's no forgiveness of sins. Mm. There's um, no justification uh, and there's no proof. However you regard the crucifixion of Jesus and what it meant, there's no proof that God fully accepted whatever Jesus did as far as how it would affect us from right. a justification standpoint. Right. And so Paul goes into, he asks two questions. He says, how could any of you possibly say there is no resurrection? Mm. That's um, there in verse 12. And then he says this over in verse 35, I can almost hear someone saying, how can the dead come back to life? And what kind of body will they have when they're resurrected? Mm. So Paul goes into this whole comparison, first in the natural, then in the spiritual. He says, when a seed goes into the ground, it doesn't come out as a seed. It's required to die first. Then it comes out as something completely different. Wow. You see that all throughout nature. Man, That was part of Paul's argument. Then he says, in another part, the body is sown in decay but it will be raised in immortality. Man, this is good news, Robin. It's sown in humiliation, but will be raised in glorification. It is sown in weakness, but it will be raised in power. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. And then he quotes, Adam's a living soul. The last Adam became, the first Adam uh, failed. Yeah. The last Adam succeeded. He, he makes all that argument. We can't get into all that. Yeah. Now, the the end result of all of this, Andy, is deliverance of people's basic fundamental fear, which wow. is the fear of death. Wow. The fear of death. Come on. A, a, a complete and full, the complete and full impact of believing in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead mm. is that you also will be resurrected from the dead, and death has no longer that frightening ogre uh, uh, lingering or yeah, looming over looming us. over us. Yes. Good, thanks. That was the word I was looking for. I couldn't <laughs> find it. So let me let me just look at this one thing. Yeah, listen. I will tell you a mystery. This is in verse fifty-one. Not all of us will die, but we will all be transformed. Mm. Now that transformed, I'd have to research it. Is probably is probably metamorphosis. Okay, that Greek word. Yeah, it means going from one form into another form. The caterpillar dies, Donna was telling me the other day. It body decomposes, and out of that decomposition comes a completely different creature that has completely different abilities, characteristics, and much, much greater life. Interesting. So, it will happen in an instant in the twinkling uh, of his eye, for when the last trumpet is sound, the dead will come back to life. 
we will be indestructible and we will be transformed for we will discard our mortal clothes. I'm reading from the Passion Translation and slip into a body that is imperishable. So he says, mortality puts on immortality. Yeah. That's a great hope. Yeah. Uh, see, the thing that people have forgotten is we are not just wanting to die and go to heaven. That's right. Jesus is wanting to come back and replenish the earth yes. and restore and recover the earth like the Garden of Eden. Yes. We have to have natural bodies to participate in That's that. That's it. So we're not floating on clouds yeah. and playing harps and all that crazy. So you're talking about actual physical bodies that we can touch. Jesus, when he came back from the dead, never said he was flesh and blood. He said he was flesh and bone. Wow. And he ate. Wow. He had the characteristic that he could pass through walls mm. or he could be as substantial and as physical as anybody else in the room. Incredible. That's what the New Testament shows us. Wow. That was the resurrected Jesus. It wasn't a spirit. Mm. It was more than that. That's right. It was an immortal body. Now, let me get to this because this is important. When that which is mortal, us, puts on immortality, that's what will happen, and what now decays is exchanged for what will never decay, then the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up by triumphant victory. So death, tell me, where's your victory? Mm. Tell me, death, where's your sting? Come on. This is fantastic news. This is incredible. Well, that's what the gospel means. <laughs> well, you know, I, I do want to, uh, address the, you know, address a little bit of a, uh, a, a, there, part of what we do is we, we feel like we need to proclaim this kind of stuff yeah. because there's a lot of stuff out there that is trying to take over the minds of Christians that we would say isn't true, you know? That's right. And so one yeah. of the things that I want to just let people know is that I, I am perfectly okay with somebody saying to me, well, I don't believe in the resurrection of this person named Jesus. In my, in my view, that's, I, I would say, okay, that's, that's fine. But that's not, that's not what a Christian looks like. So because what, what I've, yes. what I've found is I've found in a lot of conversations with people that are, are claiming Christianity as their belief system, but they are, den they're denying first Corinthians 15. They're, they're doing exactly what Paul says we shouldn't do. They're saying, I am down with everything that Jesus said, like be a good friend, be a good neighbor. All of all of the Sermon on the Mount, which man, I'm signing up for. Me personally, I'm 100% a Sermon right. on the Mount guy. But to me, you can't have the Sermon on the Mount only and call yourself a Christian. You actually have to, in some way, um, make the resurrection part of your confession. Well, Paul says exactly that in Romans 10. I'm going to jump in the middle of another one of Paul's. Okay diatribes here, verse eight, talking about the word of faith, mm. not that movement, but what it is to have faith, the word yeah. of faith in yeah. your life. What does it say? Well, that word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus mm. and believe in your heart 
that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Wow. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Mm. So I, I know people struggle. You know, it doesn't, this is a little tricky, but it says believe in your heart. There's a lot of stuff that can go through your mind. Sure. But that's, and you're going to contend with that. That's right. But you can't let your confusion, and I don't mean you can't be cerebral, but I mean you can't let your confusion dictate the reality of what you know in your heart when you met Jesus. Yeah. Um, so Paul makes that part of the basic, I don't know how you put it, how to get saved. Yeah. It, it takes two elements a specific believing, and a faith confession. Yeah. And I have understood, and I've seen this over the years, Andy, the strongest Christians are Christians who are not afraid to share their testimony. Yeah. In other words, they don't back off of their faith in Jesus. Yeah. They don't, you know, then there are those other people that just, you know, worry you half to death with it. Sure. But there's something about not simply what you think or not simply what you believe yeah. that is only fully expressed and culminated in what you have to say about it. Mm. Mm. And I think Jesus is worth knowing. I mean, sometimes sometimes I talk with people who are saying, uh, <clears throat> you know, well, what if I can't, what if I can't make myself fully understand what the resurrection is well, I would say, well, here's why you come to the Lord. Here's why you come to Jesus. Here's yeah. here's why you come to God. First of all, he's just worth knowing. It's, yeah. it's He's yeah. just, relationally speaking, it is good to walk with Jesus. And secondly, you don't have to have everything figured out no. mathematically. No. To confess Jesus as Lord. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I heard an interesting uh, I've read this years ago, and I thought about it, heard it, heard it again uh, lately. That John Wesley, you know, John and Charles Wesley originated the uh, Methodist Church. They were tremendous mm-hmm. believers. All kind of wonderful things happened. Charles wrote hundreds, maybe even thousands of hymns and songs. Charles Wesley came to America as an unsaved preacher to evangelize the Indians, and he was on board ship with some Moravians mm. and there were Moravian families. Um, I don't believe John Wesley, I might've said Charles, I don't know. I don't believe John Wesley was saved at the time, but he was on that boat evangelizing engines. It was his duty. And these Moravian families in the midst of a storm, not even the children were afraid. Wow. He was scared to death. Wow. And he said, and, and, and there was a Bishop, a Moravian Bishop on board the ship named Peter Bowler. And he said, um, how does this happen? And he said, uh, well, we've basically, we've met Jesus. We have faith. We're not worried. <laughs> so John, uh, John Wesley goes to the colonies. He fails in his mission. He goes back to, to England later as a complete abject failure. And he asked Peter Bowler for help. And he says, I don't believe like you wow. believe. What should I do? And Peter said, preach faith till you have faith. Wow. And when you have faith, when you, when you have faith, you'll preach faith. That makes no rational sense. No. 
the, the natural man would say, I'm not going to preach a lie until I believe it. Well, maybe you don't understand how things work. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we need to see that the Bible has more to tell us than we have to tell it. Yeah, that's good. That's really Maybe good. rational Western um, intellect won't solve the problem, although yeah. we can certainly benefit. Sure. From. It's, it's, your intellect's a wonderful servant, isn't it? Should be. Should be. <laughs> <laughs> well, Robin, one of the things that you, you often say around here, and I've, I've grown to appreciate it, is that you're an Apostles' Creed Christian. And I didn't really understand it quite so well as I do now when I first heard you say it, but I can honestly say it's a description of my own life now too. Yeah. And it actually makes me think of an old song uh, by an artist named Rich Mullins, where he's actually singing the creed. And then he tags this phrase on the end of his song. He's, he says this, and it's always struck me. He says, I did not make it. No, it is making me. It is the very truth of God, not the invention of any man. And I've really, that, yeah. that one phrase has helped me. I, I can feel myself going deeper with Christ in my life when I point myself towards these confessions. I, I can honestly say I have been transformed on the inside of me and I have gained understanding as I've confessed my belief in these things. It yeah. wasn't the other way around. It yeah. wasn't like I got some great revelation and then I believed. It usually, the revelation usually followed my confession of faith. And a lot of times, Andy, I think it comes in kernel form. Yes. And that's your participation good. with it actually causes it to blossom. Because we Man. humans are weird. We're not the way we think we are. This is stupid to say, but it's not. We're not the way we think we are. We're the way we really are. Yeah. <laughs> we just haven't figured that out yet, you know? Oh, that'll preach. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, that I love that. Things come in kernel form because I think I'm so often looking for a full harvest, you know, and, and, but those, those realities of heaven come as little kernels and they plant themselves in my heart and they grow. Oh man. I just remembered this verse. This is so powerful. Um, I think it's, uh, Peter and Andrew come to Jesus and say, where do you live? He says, come and see. And then he winds up saying to them this, um, unless a, a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. Wow. See, your, your doubt's got to die for something to come. Come on. A kernel of wheat, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Do you know what Jesus was talking about, Andy? Tell me. He's talking about himself. Mm. He was the original. Listen, this is amazing. We'll come into our church. We'll see between, I don't know, two to 400 people. Those two to 400 people that believe in Jesus are part of the harvest of that one single seed. Wow. The father planted through the person of his son. Wow. This worldwide harvest of Christians all started one, one seed. I love it. One seed. Man, this has been such a good time, Robin. What, why don't we do this to close out? Why don't you lead us in the Apostles' Creed? Yes. And, and I wanted to say one of the reasons, Andy, I, um, call myself as Apostle Creed Christian is because it was formulated the second half of the uh, second century close to 
the time of the original apostles, and it was formulated because there was so much controversy in the church and persecution. I'm going to tell you something. Nobody wants to die for something they don't know is true. Wow. But they were willing to die for it. And so they came up with this creed. And I, I would be remiss to say in my almost 50 years of faith that I have not had serious times where I would wonder, is this stuff true? Wow. Is this real? Yeah, I appreciate you saying I'm that. I'm serious. I think a lot of people can relate with I'm that, I'm serious. And, what, and I've told you this before. Um, a friend of mine said, Robin, I live on settled issues. And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, I settled something and I live on that. Wow. I don't go back all the time, reinvestigate. What is this? What is that? He says, no, because when you settle it, you can live from it. Yes. And so I, I realized to me that from a doctrinal standpoint, the basics of the faith, I was going to trust what the earliest adherence to the faith had actually formulated yes. as, as what was the basics and the necessary um, tenets. Yeah. So these are, these are, these are the things that we're clinging to. And I really appreciate you saying that out loud about, you know, it's not that we're up here a hundred percent certain of all things that we believe no, all of the time. No. In fact, this is kind of, th- this creed is, is, it's like, it's an anchor. It brings us back. It brings us back into alignment with, with the Lord. And, you know, I, I found in my life where I've even struggled with unbelief or, or fear or anxiety or uncertainty, all the things that plague a person who's walking through this world. But I, you know, the creeds are important to me because sometimes I don't even have the strength to pick up my Bible. I love the Bible. I'm, I will always read the Bible. It's, it's a gift from the Lord to us, but sometimes I just need to be told what to think. And that's how I think about the apostles creed. Well, you you can (laughs) listen, life can be stormy. Yes. And, um, the trial of your faith, the Bible says is more precious than gold. Wow. And every man's work will be tried by fire to see what manner it is. If it's gold or silver or precious stones, something that can't be reduced any further by fire, or if it's wood, hay, and stubble. Wow. And so it's not like we're not going to go through things. That's right. Jesus talks about building your house on the rock or on the sand. Mm. And then he says, when the rains come. So the thing I'm trying to tell people is, listen, I'm I'm not trying to convince you I'm right. I'm trying to preserve your life uh the best way I know how yeah. when difficulty comes. Come on. Are you listen, people do terrible things they don't have to do because they're not founded on that rock. That's right. And I mean none of us are perfect in that. That's right. But we yeah. need to pay attention. That's right. And we we want to we want to keep the Lord at the center of our lives exactly. and and one of the ways we do that is we gather as a church. Yeah. We worship. We sing hymns and of songs of thanksgiving. We we submit ourselves under the word of God, and we confess. We confess these creeds, and you know. So why don't we round tonight out by just right. saying this this uh, this creed? You want to you want to just say it, or should we say it together? Well, let's uh, let's say it together. Okay, sounds good. All right, here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, 
our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. What else do you believe? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Holy Catholic Catholic Church, the the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting lasting come on that that should make a a sad soul happy right there andy let me ask you this question and i have the answer so don't answer (laughs) why was jesus buried in a borrowed tomb oh my goodness heaven knew he wouldn't need it for long come on that's a good one so (laughs) true so true well we'll we'll close out with that queen city church we love y'all we're praying for y'all we appreciate y'all um have a great easter if you listen to this before easter have a great week yes if you're listening afterwards um we're we're praying for you guys and uh you got anything else to add to that, Robin? Lord, we just pray that yes. you would put an end to this virus mm-hmm. and the people that is affected. Lord, we pray for emotional, physical, financial stability for Queen City Church, the city of Charlotte, the Carolinas, and our nation. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're a good God. Yes. Nothing surprises you, and we just trust you. And we want to learn how to do that more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Queen City Sermon of the Week. For more information about this recording and other resources, go to queencity.church. And follow us on Instagram for live services Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. and Wednesday evening at 7 p.m.